Real Christianity is sponsored by our partners and by the personal injury law offices of Mosley Collins. If you or a loved one are injured, you should call Mosley at 916-444-4444 for help. That's all fours for legal help. For over 25 years, attorney Mosley Collins has been helping families that have suffered serious injury or wrongful death. He represents people seriously hurt in accidents, including automobile crashes, motorcycle crashes, people injured as pedestrians, people who have fallen, and all other serious injury cases. When you're injured, the last thing you need is another bill. That's why if attorney Mosley Collins takes your case, there is never a fee until he wins. Mosley recovers money from insurance companies who have promised to pay if they're insured accidentally hurts you. If your loved one is badly injured, dial 916-444-4444 for help. Just remember, that's all fours for legal help. Welcome to Real Christianity with Mosley Collins, a weekly call to a deeper walk with God. Here's Mosley. Thank you for joining, joining me today. It's such an honor and such a privilege to be with you on the radio sharing the Word of God. We are in a series entitled, Speaking Your Way to Victory, Seven Things God Loves to Hear You Say. And today is part two. Now, don't you think it's wonderful to know that there are things God loves to hear us say, to hear us proclaim, things that God loves to hear us ask from Him. These seven statements are pre-approved by God in the Bible. They are guaranteed to bless you and to bless the heart of God. Now let me recap for just a moment. In part one of this series, we studied Matthew 16, 13 through 18, which was a conversation Jesus had with His disciples. But let me read that to you. So I'm reading out of Matthew 16, beginning verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say you are John the Baptist, and some Elijah, and some Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And Jesus said to them, But whom do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, we know God loves to hear anyone proclaim that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. We know that because of what Jesus said in response to hearing it. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And everyone who understands and believes and receives and proclaims that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, they are all deeply blessed by God and are deeply pleasing to God. And so that was the first phrase that I told you that God loves to hear. He loves to hear you say, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so today, let's turn to a second statement that God loves to hear you say. Because when you say it, when you confess it, when you pray this, the Bible says you are justified in the sight of God. Now, what does justified mean? 
mean? It means just as if you had never sinned. Would you like to be justified in the sight of God? Then let's read together Luke 18, 9 through 14. And here's the Bible uh, beginning at verse 9. And he spake a parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. And the Pharisee stood and prayed with himself, God, I thank you I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up his eyes so much unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. And that's the Bible passage we're going to study today. So let's explore this passage. Now we're going to get to the statement, actually a prayer with a request coupled to a statement that God loves to hear. But first we must look at the type of prayer God ignores. Did you know that a certain type of prayer is ignored by God and even utterly rejected by God? It's true, and I'm going to show you that. So let's go back to the beginning of the passage, Luke 18, verse 9. And here's how the Bible uh, starts. And Jesus spoke this parable to those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Let me stop there. Now here the Bible is actually telling us why Jesus told this parable. So that gives us great insight into what Jesus intended to teach us. And here the Bible is telling us, Jesus is, is telling us, here is a parable for those people who trust in themselves they're righteous. Now a parable is a story used to illustrate a spiritual truth. And here this man, uh, the Bible tells us, this parable is for those who trust in themselves. These people are not trusting in God to count themselves righteous, but they're trusting in themselves. In other words, this parable Jesus spoke to warn people who trusted that what they were doing, that is their deeds, made them righteous. And did you ever know, here it, it noticed that it says they trusted that they were righteous and despised others. You know, it's pretty common when someone trusts in themselves, when they're self-righteous, when they think they're better than others, they despise other people. Those two things kind of go together. Now, is this a problem today? Do people trust in themselves today rather than trust the mercy of God? Yes, it is a major problem. People believe that if they do enough good works, good deeds, they will go to heaven. And what do you believe? Do you believe that if someone gave money to the poor and lived a good life and attended church, they would go to heaven as a result of those good deeds? In other words, will living a good life get you to heaven? Can you trust in that to get you there? What do you think? The Bible says, no, you can't trust in that. That's not God's way. That's not God's plan. So this is going to be a great parable for us to study. Jesus is going to help us here because many people trust in themselves that they are okay with God 
and that they are righteous because of things they are doing. Now let me ask you this. When is the best time to discover we are not where we should be with God? When is the best time to discover we have a problem with God? On Judgment Day or today, right now? Well, right now, of course, because we can make a change now. On Judgment Day, standing there before Almighty God, it'll be too late to make a change. So let's dive into this parable and learn what Jesus wants to teach us. Now, going back to verse 10, Jesus said, Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. Now, these two men, you will notice, are going to the same place. Where did they go? They both went into the temple. And to do what? To pray. Now, that seems very righteous on both their parts. Now, today we would read this as, two men went into the church to pray. Two men. One is a Pharisee, a very religious man. Today we would say he is someone who reads and understands, even memorizes his Bible. He's going to church to pray. He's a respected man. The other man is a publican, not a religious man. Publicans were tax collectors for Rome, and they were often dishonest and collected too much money, more than they should have, and they kept the excess. So they were disliked, despised. Today we would say he's someone who's not a part of the church. He's not a respected religious man. So notice that Jesus has chosen here two very different men to illustrate his story and actually to shock us with the truth of what he will convey to us. So let's return to the text at verse 11. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you, I am not as other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all I possess. That was his prayer. Now notice that he is standing. He's proudly standing in the church. He's praying with himself. Not praying to God, he's praying with himself. God, I thank you. He doesn't say, God, I thank you that you saved me. He doesn't pray, God, I thank you for your kindness, your blessing, your mercy. No, he says, I thank you that I am not as other men. In other words, I thank you I'm better than other people. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I possess. Now, I told you I was going to show you something God loves to hear you say, and I will. But before we get there, I'm showing you something God hates to hear you say. I thank you. God hates to hear you say, I thank you. I am better than other people. Now, that sure sounds terrible. But are we guilty of talking or thinking like that? Do we see people with less money and think we are better than they are? Do we see homeless people and think ever so subtly, I'm better than they are? Do we see people of another race or who live in another part of town and think, I'm better than they are, so ever so subtly at the edge of your mind. If you have a gardener, if you examined your thoughts, would you find that you feel you're better than your gardener? If you have a cleaning service, if you examine yourself carefully, would you find that you think you're better than the people who clean your house? When you go, go to a restaurant, do you think you're better than the waitress or the busboy? If you see someone asking for money at a street corner, do you think they're better than they are? My brothers, my sisters, such things should not be. All these people are created in the image of God. All these people are loved by God. 
just like you. And all these people, Christ died for them just like he did for you. So I want you to pray with me that we change this attitude if it's in our heart. Pray out loud with me right now. Lord, forgive me whenever I have felt that I am better than someone else. Amen. So now let's turn to the publican, beginning at verse 13. Now the publican, it says, and the publican standing afar off would not lift so much as his eyes to heaven, but struck his chest saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now the Pharisee stood proudly in the church and prayed, but the Pharisee, he's way back. He won't even look up. He's just praying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Now this contrast could not be greater. The first man prays, I thank you, I'm better than other people. The second man asks God for his mercy. He knows he's a sinner. The second man knows the heart of God. He knows the secret of how God works to save us and to bless us and to exalt us. He knows how to pray, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And here's the key to success with God. Not that we are perfect, not that we are great, not that we are better than other people, not that we're doing great things for God, no. When we come to God like the Pharisee, believing we are something great, then we fail. God is not impressed. When we are so proud of our own goodness, our own achievements, the things we do, God is not impressed. And why is that? Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10 says, there is none righteous, no, not one. Not this Pharisee, this religious man who now trusts in his own righteousness. Actually, this man is not righteous. And so, this man is actually the example of what God doesn't want to hear. And in a minute, we'll be, we're going to take a break now. In a minute, we'll be coming back. And we'll hear again in more detail what God loves to hear you pray. Thank you for joining me today. In a moment, I'll return with my final thoughts on today's teaching. But before I do, I want to invite you to partner with me in prayer and in financial support. I mention this because you and I now have an opportunity to expand this ministry of teaching and evangelism into the cities of San Diego, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and Oakland. In John 1, 5, when Jesus came to earth, the Bible says, Light shined into the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome it. And that's what you and I are in the world. We're light. Imagine broadcasting into the darkness of San Diego, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Oakland. Imagine broadcasting in there the light of this teaching ministry. Imagine leading people to Jesus in those places. Imagine in those places people were saved, born again, and made Christ their Savior because you and I were willing to pray and to give. Will you join me in this? If so, call me at 
1-800-242-4444 because I need your prayers and support. I'm praying that God will send me faithful partners to help me. Let me show you something about this out of the Bible. It's in Exodus 17, starting at verse 8. And in this passage, the children of Israel had left Egypt. They were trying to get into the promised land, and they were having to fight battles along the way. And one of the battles they fought uh, was with a nation called Amalek. And here's what the Bible says. And then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose out men and go out and fight with Amalek tomorrow, and I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him, and he fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass, when Moses held up his hands, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hands, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. So they took a stone, and they put it under him, and he sat on the stone. And Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. So here's my question to you. Will you stand with me just like Aaron and Hur stood with Moses? Will you hold up my hands so that we can go forward and defeat the enemy and carry forward the banner of Jesus and his salvation? Call me at 444-4444 and let me know you enjoy this ministry and that you will stand with me. And I want you to know what a great privilege it is to know that you're with me in this fight because together you and I can do great things for God. Welcome back. Now we've seen the religious man who trusts in himself, who's proud of himself, who thanks God he's better than other people. Now let's look at the other man, the second man. He doesn't trust in his own righteousness, but he trusts in the mercy of God and in the grace of God. Let me read to you Luke 18, 13, one more time. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Oh, the mercy and grace of God. How wonderful, how blessed. For us, the only port in the storm of life is the mercy and grace of God. Now, Jesus said in John 6, 26, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me will never hunger. Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness. Jesus said in John 10:14, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Now, do you see the emphasis here? It's on Jesus, what he did for us. The religious man in his prayer was focused on himself. I did this, and I did that, and I fast twice a week, and I paid tithes. And he went down to his house not justified in the sight of God. Now, isn't that ironic, and isn't that sad that someone would go to all that trouble this man is going to church. This man is actually even paying tithes. He's giving 10% of all his income to the work of God. This man is fasting twice a week. This man is doing things most everyday Christians don't do very well. And yet, 
in spite of all he does, in spite of all this effort he's putting out, he's not justified in the eyes of God. Isn't that tragic? Because he's trusting in himself and not in the mercy of God. So here we see the fatal flaw of some religious men and women. The focus is on what they do, and that is a fatal flaw. But the focus of the other man, the second man, is on God's mercy and forgiveness and on God's loving kindness. He knows, this second man, he knows he's saved by grace, not by works and things he has done. He's saved by the grace and the mercy and the kindness and the love of God. So here we see the saving grace of the prayer of the publican, the other man. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. The first man, he believes he's wise. The first man, the Pharisee, he was proud of his, of his wisdom. But let me read you what Bi- the Bible says about the wise in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19, beginning there. Let me just turn in, turn in my Bible to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. There it is. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. So here's God is telling us that he resists the proud, but he helps the humble, and he receives the humble. So here we have in our study two prayers. One God ignores and disregards, and I might even say a prayer that God hates. I thank you, God, I am better than other people. And why do I say that God hates that type of prayer? Isn't that too strong? Well, hear what the Bible says in Proverbs 6, 16 through 17. These six things does the Lord hate. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. Number one, a proud look. So religious man, he has a prayer of pride. He's praying with a proud look, and God hates that. The second prayer, the prayer of the publican, God loves. Have mercy on me, a sinner. And how do we know God loves to hear that prayer? Because of what Jesus said. He said the second man, the man who prayed, God have mercy on me, a sinner, that man went down to his house justified before God, just as if he had never sinned. That man went back down to his house forgiven. The Bible says in Romans 5, 1, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. So I want you to pray with me. Would you like to be justified in the sight of God? Would you like to have peace with God? Do you want to renew that justification, that peace, whether it's the first time or you've you just want to renew it, pray with me right now. Father, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I receive the living Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. Amen. If you sincerely pray that simple prayer, you're born again. And God loves it when we seek his mercy. He will bless us and guide us and provide for us. And we pray this prayer, God have mercy on me a sinner. We can go home and sleep peacefully because we are justified in the sight of God. I love you. 
I will see you next week. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for Real Christianity. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by today's message from Mosley Collins. Mosley lives with his family in the Sacramento area. He's available to teach at your church, Christian group, or Bible study. There is never a charge for his ministry. If you have questions about today's subject or you wish to invite Mosley to come speak to your group, you can reach him at 916-444-4444. 